often find myself trying to use helping as a way to earn love. So by realizing that, I uh, know that I can redirect my thoughts um, and my emotions and behaviors to um, really trying to help out of the overflow of love in my heart and my desire to genuinely see someone else be helped rather than it be a selfish motivation. everybody and welcome to the Advice Not Given podcast. Each week we share unfiltered, truth-telling conversations between two friends. You're invited to eavesdrop as we give each other the advice you didn't ask for but wish you did. We're your hosts Kelly Artis and Claire Wood of Millspo Gurus and this is Advice Not Given. Welcome back to this episode of the Advice Not Given podcast. Uh, if you listened last week, you heard our episode all about our friends, the Enneagram Ones. And today we're diving right back into that series. And as you might have guessed, we are tackling the personality type two, also known as the helper or the giver. Kelly, give us a few thoughts on Enneagram Twos. Do you have any favorite Enneagram Twos in your life? Um, thoughts? <sighs> I do. And so here's the, and here's a confession I'm going to start with right off the bat. When I first learned about the Enneagram, this was the type that I was like, oh, I see now, right? Mm -hmm. Like when you're, when you first start learning these typing structures, you're so tempted. Like you learn your type and then you start typing all the people around you. That's cardinal rule. Number one, y'all please don't do it. Please resist, be a better person. Um, But I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell you that I'm confessing to this and twos, even when reading the descriptions without affixing like a person in my life that fit that, um, that was the one that I was like, Oh, those people. Right. (laughs) And let me, let me be a little defensive about this. Like as a five, we are extremely like conscious and, and, uh, protective of our boundaries. Like that is like life for us. And twos don't see that. <laughs> they don't so see what boundaries. I'm hearing you say though, is a two presents the biggest threat to you is what absolutely what got your most, hackles yeah. up. And it's not that, you know, they're, they're awful people. They're amazing people. We, the world needs twos. Right. But for me in like my early stages of learning this and not really understanding why my, why I was, why everything I was thinking was problematic and just playing into my ego and strengthening my ego structure, <laughs> because that's what my ego wants to hear is ugh, those people. Right. Um, mm-hmm. it taught me a lot about where I could put the most effort and energy into understanding a type that seems very different, um, than me and has been super helpful. Um, and then also there, I'll quote it in a little while, but um, the thing that I struggle with the most is kind of like reaching in and understanding and translating my emotions. Um, and twos are amazing at that. So it's almost like yeah. the thing and the type that I need the most in my life. So um, yeah, that it's been, it's been a lot. So yes, yeah. I do have twos in my life that I, that I look up to admire and now feel like I understand so much more better and more completely. So Yeah. I think for me, my first impression of like the type two, when I was very early in my own Enneagram journey is it felt like I would read multiple like ways of describing what a two is. And it always felt like, well, duh, isn't that everybody? And part of it is for me is as a Southern woman 
hospitable, mm. polite. This is how you're raised. This is how you do for other people. So many of those qualities of a two felt like, well, that isn't that how everybody is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, isn't isn't everybody always That's pleasing other people? And and, and yeah. as we know now, it's very easy to mistype, especially in mm. women. Yeah, that's another reason why I bristle against it is because I can't stand the stereotypes. And I'm like, ugh, you know, like, it's so funny. Like, yeah, and it's not fair. And it really does trip a lot of people up because a lot of people read the descriptions and they're like, that's the role they want to identify with. Well, Um, that, but also I'm thinking just from the standpoint as like a mom or as someone mm -hmm, who is a caregiver to others, so many of the qualities of a two are things that you just do because you have to do that, right? Like you care for your kids when they're toddlers and babies and you feed them and you clean yeah. up after them. So it's easy to think that, oh, well, that may be what I'm doing. But the big difference is we're going to find is what's motivating behind mm-hmm. that. And not just the tasks that you're doing, but the, the core and deep motivation of it. So, um, and I think I mentioned this with the type one, type two is also another one of my high numbers. So, um, Again, I don't know if that's nature or nurture, but it, it has a lot of interesting. Um, My two is have, very low. <laughs> it's very low. Your two has no pulse, right? There like is, it's, it is it's barely there. Yeah, yeah. So we're just going to dive in and we want to do similar format from the type one and um, just give you a quick little reminder that. Hopefully, if you're listening, you're not just listening because you already know you're a two. Maybe you're listening and you don't know your type, and we hope this uh, process will be helpful for you. Or maybe you know your type. It's different from a type two, but this is going to give you insight in either recognizing parts of yourself that are or aren't like this type, or it's going to help you recognize these qualities in people that you know and love and interact with. So we're going to start with our little, you might be a two if... And if any of these statements ring true for you, then um, maybe that's something to investigate. So you might be a two if your genuine concern for others makes you become deeply involved with them, with their hopes and their dreams and their needs. Um, You might be a two if it feels really natural to you to be friendly. Maybe you strike up conversations easily and you are like one of those people on a first name basis with everyone. Um, Maybe you're a two if you have found that people really respond to you warmly when you give them attention and encouragement. You might be a two if it's hard for you to take credit for the things you've done for other people, but then it bothers you a lot if they don't (laughs) notice or seem to care. (laughs) I love that one. Um, You also might be a two if you take a lot of joy in entertaining or hosting your friends and extended family. Um, You might be a two if you're really warm and supportive, but there's this hidden steel in you that others don't always think about. Um, And then lastly, you might be a two if you love to knock yourself out to make other people feel welcomed and appreciated. So I can hear some of those things and see see me in that. Um, as I said, this is one of my higher numbers. But what about you? Do those continue to make you bristle? Do you feel like now that you've come a long way with your own Enneagram journey and you're an understanding that some of those qualities in you have been at all cultivated? Or talk to me about that. Um, you know, I think that I'm so happy that twos exist, right? Like, because mm-hmm. then I it's not on me. <laughs> To make the casserole. Yes, that would be a problem. Um, I've joked with my parents before, and I'm sorry, y'all, this is going to sound so uncool, but um, they had two kids. They had two daughters, and they are very thankful that they went ahead and had that second daughter because... (laughs) 
I was like, I won't be a good caregiver for you when you're older. Like, I'm just, I'm just not really cut out for that. I was like, but I will put you in the best nursing home money can buy. Like, because you will have researched it to the nth degree, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But my sister, and she's not, she's actually not a two, but was feeling really strongly pulled toward two um, early Mm -hmm. on when she was typing because of, again, the roles and the, just the, the, this, the really strong, like, compulsion to do these things again mm-hmm. for different reasons, but still. Um, and for me, I've actually always kind of felt like an obligation on me to do the things because I'm a woman. And that actually breeds a whole nother kind of whole other podcast. Oh, right. Mm. I now I do care for my children. I care for my house. I care for my husband in all kinds of different ways, but I, you know, look, I'm no Betty Crocker and I'm not, I wish I, the friends that I have that are twos, I respect them so much because the thoughts and the impulses that they have and the ways in which they step in to help are so, I feel like even times prophetic, like Mm -hmm. I'm like, how did that even enter your mind to do that thing or offer that help? I wish I could think like that. Um, I really do. I truly do. It does not even show up on my radar. So mm-hmm. I have learned to love and appreciate twos in ways that I never did before, mainly because of the reasons where I see that I am so deficient in those sorts of traits. Um, so does it show up? I am not really. I mean, yeah. oh well. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Nicole Keeney, and I most identify as an Enneagram Type 2. I was introduced to the Enneagram through some family members, actually on vacation, just through chit-chat, and uh, I ended up getting the book, The Road Back to You, by Ian Morgan Cron and um, Suzanne Stabile, uh, which was incredibly helpful, I felt like, for my uh, dive into the Enneagram, at least at first. Uh, I actually went through the book twice, once on my own, and then I did it once as a book club with my um, with the company I work for. I that's kind of how I got introduced to it. It just it piqued my interest because I've always been someone who loves personality tests and Myers Briggs and all of those kind of figuring out who you are at your core um, systems of approaches in psychology. Knowing that I most identify as a type two helps me in the sense of seeing my core weaknesses um, and where I fall, where I tend to fall short and where I tend to go that's unhealthy and being able to kind of help myself identify it and then push myself back into the right space. So as a type two, one of the things that I, um, my core is to be loved. And uh, so the, pretty much my core is to be loved so much so that I will do pretty much anything that it takes to be loved. And often that comes in the form of helping. And I know that uh, in in many cases, uh, helping might not be, the person might not actually need the help that I think that they need. Uh, and so I can find myself maybe overstepping my bounds or trying to help in a way that is um, actually unhelpful because it's not truly wanting to help them. It's just wanting them to love me. Uh, and so identifying that in myself, which was not, um, really a fun thing, (laughs) uh, was helpful and helped me see like, and really piece out what my true motivations for helping were and continue to be. So if I catch myself maybe not receiving, uh, 
commendation for something that I have done and then feeling upset about it, I can realize very quickly that my intention for helping was not actually helping. It was actually to be recognized and loved for something that I'd contributed. Um, And I often find myself trying to use helping as a way to earn love. So by realizing that, I uh, know that I can redirect my thoughts um, and my emotions and behaviors to um, really trying to help out of the overflow of love in my heart and my desire to genuinely see someone else be helped rather than it be a selfish motivation. As we did with type one, we'll go through and we'll talk about the core need for two. So when we talk about motivation, we're talking about what is the thing, the underlying motivation for every single person who's dominant in type two to behave and do and act the way that they do. And for a two, that is a core need to feel loved or to feel needed. Um, They have a fear, which is again, the flip side of that core need of being unloved or feeling useless um, the virtue that they bring, um, their, their potential, their essence essentially is humility. Um, so when they have kind of worked through, um, all of like kind of the, the potholes of the ego and, and the coping mechanisms that they're asleep to, they can eventually arrive at this amazing, um, humble state, um, which actually then if you look at the flip of that, their, their fixation, or I'm sorry, their struggle, their passion, um, Pride. Pride. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because what can happen is when you're t- constantly being fed love based on your actions, your help that you're providing, um, you can start to kind of wrap up into that and start again, feeding your ego and thinking that this false reality is the only way you will receive love is by doing these things. Um, and it's kind of just this vicious cycle. So the fixation, um, which is kind of the the way in which you are falsely presenting yourself and fooling others and kind of propping up the facade is through flattery. Um, so I actually was a little curious, Claire, I think you explained this better than I do, because again, the two is my least understood type as far as I'm concerned. Um, so maybe can you talk a little bit, Claire, about how flattery is the fixation for a two? Yes. Well, just in my own experience and interaction, I feel like a lot of times that flattery, maybe not in its best, you know, iteration is really a form of selfishness. It's a form of me flattering you so that I am now endearing myself to you, Mm. whether that is pure, like verbal flattery, whether it's um, action behavior flattery, like I think the, the root motivation sometimes can be, well, if I if I make you see me in a certain light, then you'll, you'll never go away from me. You'll never leave me. You'll need me. You'll need me here mm. to continue that flattery. And so it's kind of like this, almost like this subversive um, manipulation tool. I hate to say that, but, um, yeah. and, and manipulation is one of the things that a two at an unhealthy level or that adapted self um, is very characteristic of, of a two. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, a way of endearing others to you through your, your words or deeds. I think too, especially from, from a, from a head type, <laughs> um, folks that have such a deep understanding of their own like feelings and emotions and heart, um, that scares me <laughs> sometimes because there's, they just have 
a knowledge that comes there naturally to those sorts of interactions and, and being so attuned to it. I, I can't help but be kind of on guard about that. And let's be real, you guys, every person on the planet has some level of unhealth at all times. So it's almost like, okay, what's your, what's your superpower and why should I be scared of you? (laughs) Instead of, you know, wow, what an amazing, abundant source of love you and nurturing you can be. Uh, for mm-hmm. humanity. So that's kind of, that's, yeah, that's where I come Yeah. From. Well, and while we're still talking a little bit about fixations and fears, one of my favorite teachers, Marilyn Vansel, she actually goes so far, and this is a pretty bold statement, but she goes so far as to say that sometimes a two can have a Messiah complex. Ooh, um, yeah. She says a lot of times that they take pride in their astute ability to take care of people and situations, and they wear a badge of honor for the help and the advice that they generously give. Mm. Listen, y'all, we'll come down just as hard on the fives and the sixes, we promise. Oh, it'll be an annihilation. <laughs> it'll be Don't worry. So bad. We're we're not and we're not coming down hard because listen, we've said like we we see ourselves in this and I will be the first to say yeah. like I I can get into that pattern and I've talked on previous episodes especially in this lifestyle where we're moving around a lot and I'm having to really quickly like assimilate into new communities and like assimilate into new relationships and friendships. I know really quick ways to make you like me and to make you want to be my friend and to want to keep me around. And I have to really guard against that. And in the words of a person who is no longer um, quotable, you I have to check my heart, right? Like I, I really do have to continue to check my motivations on, on how I'm putting myself out there. So I'm not, I'm not hating on twos. I see a lot of myself in yeah. some of this. So One of the things I love about being a type two is that I feel very in tune with other people's moods and other people's feelings. So uh, type two is a heart or emotion type. And so that's kind of where I go, where I process the world first is through my emotions and through my heart. Uh, Not to say that I'm not a a logical thinker or uh, have a gut reaction because I feel like what I'm about to say sounds like a gut reaction, but... For people that I meet, I can I can intuitively kind of identify what space they're in, like what's their mood, what's generally going on with them in a way that I think they don't have to say anything. Um, it feels almost a little bit like a sixth sense, which I know sounds odd, uh, but I can be in a room with a friend and everything can seem okay and she may not say anything, but I can tell when something's off, I can tell kind of, and I, and I might even be identify what's off just based on, um, just my perception. And that's one of the things I love about being a type two is that we kind of have that intuition. Um, that makes me one of the most, that makes me very proud. I think that also the ability to connect with people on an emotional level as a type two makes me really proud. Um, I'm definitely a nurturing personality and I want to help and I want people to be at their best. And so those kinds of things, uh, I feel like help me be a better mom to my son and help me be a better, uh, wife to my husband and just a better friend in general. So when I'm functioning at my highest level of health in my type, I know that I am, um, I am helping and serving and supporting from a space of really trying to help people be at their best and not because I want anything in return, but just out of the genuine love and care and compassion in my heart. Um, 
So those are some things that I find exhilarating about being a type two. Okay, so when a two is in stress, and we're going to just touch on this super fast, um, what happens is, you know, again, when you're when your coping mechanisms, when your behaviors, when your um, actions, and everything that you relied on your whole life uh, to protect you are no longer serving you, and you start to kind of act out in your type, um, what that looks like for a two, we've just kind of touched on a lot of those things. Um, when it becomes like compulsive giving or manipulation, or you're starting to recognize that in yourself, um, there are two different ways that you can pull into your type eight arrow. So there's an arrow once again, um, on the Enneagram graph, you know, design or, you know, symbol that connects the two all the way across to the eight, which is interesting. Um, so what can happen if you do that move in a really conscious way, you can utilize the eight's behaviors and energies to your advantage to help counterbalance some of the bad behaviors of an unhealthy two sort of fall, right? So what does that look like for an eight, which is the challenger or the protector? There's several, and what is the, well, we'll get to the eight later. So what that looks like for a two though, is that it gives them boundaries, okay? Um, It allows a two to say no. Because that's another thing that twos really struggle with is when someone asks them for help, oh, Lord, is it on it? Like, they're like, yep, mm-hmm. you know, you, they can't say no. So, but with the eight energy, they're able to stand up for themselves um, in that way and say no um, to, to prevent the stress in the first place, right? And to prevent the, the burnout and the, the disconnect from their own needs. Um, it helps them deal with conflicts. It can actually help them step up in leadership. They can be more direct, assertive, and confident. Um, so those are all really, really beneficial ways to pull into the eight when you're in stress. I actually, this is my one point of connection to it too, is that as a five, I go to eight in stress, right? But we can, but, I mean, sorry, in strength or in, in uh, health or integration, right? So we both kind of meet there at different moments, um, which could be a whole nother discussion because that also could be part of the reason why I find conflict there. <laughs> um, but if the move is done unintentionally or kind of automatically or on autopilot, it can actually cause it to, to blow up. Um, they can be kind of scary to themselves and to everyone else. Um, and there could be like a, a vengeful sort of bossy undertone uh, to the way in which they go through their lives. So focus on the eight energy. If you start feeling yourself as a two kind of falling through and seeing some of these and noticing some of these like red flags of your type acting badly. And you can actually make that move really intentionally to give you strength, to help you connect with your own needs and to help protect um, your own inner resources. Yeah. And I just want to add real quick with the two going to eight in stress. One thing that's also, I think, helpful to keep in mind is we know the two is in the heart or feeling triad. And so when you're moving to eight, you are moving to that instinctual center, that gut, that body center. And one important piece of advice is as a two, listen to your body because it's going to tell you when you need rest. And and one of the things that you keep in mind or a way to maybe begin tricking yourself into that becoming a natural response is, what's the kind of advice you would give somebody else who's worn out and who's over given and over, over served and over people, please. You would want them to notice in their body and take that kind of rest. So that's like a really practical, I think a practical tip on how you can also implement that. That's great. 
So we know a two goes to eight in stress, and we're going to be talking again about our fours because in health, the two is going to take on uh, the signs and the uh, attributes of a four in health. So Kelly, talk to us a little bit about that path of integration and what going to a four looks like. Yeah, so I think that that move really helps the two kind of, instead of always being kind of rosy and sunny and making everything better um, and helping and improving and, you know, all of those things, um, it can actually help them connect with like the melancholy that exists in life and like the, um, the beauty that's in the sad moments and the pain, you know, instead of kind of constantly fixing or trying to make better, um, it can actually help them kind of root down and appreciate and sit with the moment, right? Instead of, um, instead of like always trying to improve everything. Also, I think that there's um, something to be learned from not deriving your, your feelings of love and appreciation and worthiness from outside, um, mm-hmm. from, from affection from others and from people needing you. Um, fours are really in touch with themselves. Um, they, they have their own struggle there because they, they feel like no one understands them. Um, but that could actually be like a point of, of access for humility for the two. Mm-hmm. Um, in that way. So, well, I also I think. think of it as an access to honesty because we know a Ooh, four, yeah. a four is going to have like a much better grasp on an entire range of all of their emotions. And I feel like a two oftentimes is just going to c- kind of stuff those down. And so, like, ha- giving yourself the permission to feel frustration, to feel extreme sadness, to feel anger, like, go for mm. it, like, let her rip. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> as you were like sharing that. some of that, it made me think about, and I, I can't. I don't think I've shared this on here before, but I've recently discovered a few years ago, my Girl Scout handbook from like the early 1980s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think of the, the just iconic Girl Scout. She's the giver, the doer, the helper. And in that book, there's a whole chapter on accessing your emotions. <laughs> and it gives a list in this book of things. And I'm saying this for you twos. When you're feeling those feelings, it says, punch a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> go, play, go play with a bunch of clay and smash it up. Like <laughs> it's this very real like permission to re to re um, engage with your body as a means of expression, expressing some of those feelings and emotions. So. On the flip side, <laughs> I would say for being a heart type, um, as a type two, I'm extremely sensitive. And I think that that can be a good thing. I think that that can be a superpower, but it can also be one of those double-edged swords because I feel like I'm more easily wounded and more easily burdened in my heart for things in the world that are heart-wrenching and sad. So um, as a type two, I find things like the news to be really difficult. Um, I find a lot of those, you know, really dramatic human interest stories to be really emotionally draining for me. Uh, And not that those aren't good. It's just that I emotionally connect with them so strongly that, and my empathy is is so fierce that it, it feels as though I'm living that with them. So I have to be wary of what kind of stories I I actually listen to. And I have to be really careful even about like the movies I watch because it can really tear me up in in my emotions. Um, And at the same time, though, that sensitivity does allow me to empathize with people as they bring them to me. And I kind of feel like that's a superhuman kind of trait that that I that I kind of have that's been given to me, I feel like, by the Lord and 
um, has really helped me in as I've just tried to minister to people. And um, my husband's a pastor, so we do a lot of counseling. I feel like though that quality of being sensitive and empathetic has really benefited um, my ability to be helpful in counseling scenarios and in um, mentoring um, other women and mentoring children uh, as they they pursue the Lord as well. So that's me has a type two. Thanks for listening to me ramble. (laughs) Bye-bye. some tips uh, for myself and for others who are in relationship with twos, who know twos, um, instead of kind of weaponizing all of the the negative aspects or the negative traits, like let's learn how to love them better, how to provide what they need, how to give them some respite, you know, and get in touch with their own feelings and needs. Um, So one thing that you definitely want to pay attention to is getting to know um, what that person needs as far as like, how do they feel loved? What help them uncover that and then pay attention when you, when you realize it and please try to do that. They're going to hide it from you because they've hidden it from themselves. So figure out how to help and how to love on the twos in your life to give them a break, to make sure that they feel, you know, appreciated for sure. But then to also appreciate them. Like they're teaching us how to do it just in their daily lives. Right. We need to be paying attention and we need to be watching and taking notes. Like, and I do that. Like when I see one of my two friends doing something freaking amazing, you know, that someone has posted about, about them, you know, it's like, Oh, that's a great idea. I need to do that sometime. (laughs) It's almost like Pinterest for, for, for helpers. Right. Um, and one amazing thing that I just want to, I want to actually quote, I'm going to read this from um, Chris's, Chris Hewitt's book, The Enneagram of Belonging, um, is he says, because twos have explored the inner landscape of their own hearts, they carry the potential to be a midwife to our emotional truth. Oh, that's beautiful. Isn't it? So like if ever there's a person more equipped to help anyone else walk through um, just dealing with and sorting out and uncovering all of these scary things for most of us, this is kind of scary. Um, it, it's a two and they can help us. They can literally help us through. So thank you twos for doing mm-hmm. that and being that kind of beacon in the rest of our lives and to, you know, help just really put on display, um, the nurturing love that is capable. So, yeah. And as we kind of circle back to some of our beginning thoughts as we wind down this portion of the episode, I just want to highlight again that in all of the numbers, but we're talking about twos today, like we're we're ultimately hopeful that whatever qualities we possess and whatever our type is kind of leaning us or leading us to, that we're ultimately like returning to that holy idea. And for a two Um, it's really this idea of God's unconditional love and care. And that's what we see in you too. And that's what we love about you. And that's what we want you to keep, who we want you to keep being and becoming. Um, Because we know that you are nurturing. You are very generous. You are attentive and compassionate. um, And we don't want you to change. So don't hear any of the the things we've said in this episode as um, derogatory because you're, you're a beautiful, beautiful type and we love you. So keep being the benevolent, affirming people that we know that you are. Thanks for joining us this week on Advice Not Given. 
for resources and links to all the things mentioned in today's episode, head over to our website at millspogurus.com. That's M-I-L-S-P-O-G-U-R-U-S. If you enjoyed this episode, please help others find us by adding your thoughts to an iTunes review and subscribing so you never miss a show. If you're interested in being a next level supporter of our endeavors, check out our Patreon page. You can pledge as little as a dollar per episode to help us out with expenses. Think of it as eavesdropping on our coffee date, but then sending over a latte. It's a thing. Also, be sure to find us on Instagram and Facebook at Millspoke Gurus, where we keep the conversation going and where you can share your advice not given.